Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is the 12th day of November 2013 and it is podcast number 43 for the archives. Thank you so much for joining me here today. For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, um, I guess the best way to describe this show is I am a truth seeker a lover of freedom for all individuals, and I just want you to have some semblance of the facts. It's um, it's really tough to get the facts in the world that we live in with all of the different, um, I guess, logical fallacies that play out in our day-to-day lives, and if you guys want to understand more about logical fallacies, you can uh, listen to our past episode, which is slowly becoming one of the most downloaded podcasts I've had, and for good reason, because um, people want to understand how to get um, get past the rhetoric, get past all of the partisan politics, all of the BS, so to speak, and to get down to brass tacks and find out what's really going on in the world and what we really do face. Um, inching closer to getting Karen uh, Huds on to the show, uh, for those of you that don't know, she is a World Bank whistleblower and um, have a ton, ton of great questions for her, and I'm really excited to to have her on the podcast. So that'll be coming up here, I would assume, in the next couple of weeks, but don't hold me to it. You know, sometimes people get busy. But um, anyway, the topic for the show this evening is going to be NSA surveillance. Now, I do have some other shows or clips that I want to play first. Before we get into the whole NSA, I'm going to have um, one of um, one of the hosts from the Journalistic Revolution, uh, Josh Wiley, will be joining me here um, in the next couple of moments. But first off, since I missed it last time we did the podcast or the radio broadcast, transmission, what have you, I do want to play in honor of Bill Cooper's, um, I guess, his, um, in honor of his death and the legacy that he left, um, I do want to play, once again, we talked about him on the last show, not to cut myself off there, but Bill Cooper was a conspiracy researcher, and once again, that doesn't mean somebody that's lost their mind. It means somebody that doesn't trust known liars and really wants to get into how the world really works, and I look at conspiracy research as trying to find out who really pulls the strings, um, not in our day-to-day life, but in the in the 10-year increments, 20-year, 30-year, 100-year increments, who lays out the battle plans for humanity, who executes the battle plans for humanity, and who decides where we go, what we do, and why we do it, what kind of technologies we'll have, you know, those types of things. Because I think that in a true fear market society, we wouldn't have to worry about uh, technology suppression and, and inventors being whacked and stuff like that. But in the reality of the situation, the reality of the real world, we do have to look at some of those things. And um, one thing that Bill Cooper did very well is, um, is research. Now, he took a, uh, took a different angle than, than what I take. But once again, that doesn't mean that um, that all of his research is for naught. So here is a prime example of the research that Bill Cooper did, and it's a little bit of a long clip. It's about four minutes, but this is from one of his shows that he aired. And then after I air this, uh, Josh Wiley and I will start to um, go over the um, the NSA 
the new revelations on DHS, what DHS has the capability of. But also, if you're watching this podcast or if you're listening to the podcast and watching the images, not just seeing my logo, one of the other images will come up is the actual um, internet backbone that they've got set up. Now, me, myself, I have a couple of years in telecom, so I can speak to a lot of what these pieces of equipment do, how they work, and what the quote-unquote internet, which is basically just a bunch of computers hooked up together that exchange data, what that really does and how it um, works, and see if I can break it down pretty simplistically from the engineers that I've talked to and the, and the actual individual research that I've done on the technology. So once again, thank you for joining us um, on this evening. Uh, for those of you that listen live, I really do appreciate it, you know, carving out an hour, even though it is probably one of your more fun and intellectually enlightening hours of your life. Every Tuesday and Thursday night, we try to keep it really simple. And um, moving forward, we will start to to add some different tones to the show, and I'm going to branch off into some other projects. But keeping this show very simple and um, trying to give you a semblance of reality and at least a jumping off point where you can go off and do your own research and have your own intellectual discovery because that's what it's all about, being a creative, individual, free-thinking human being. That's what we strive for. And then we can all come together as a collective and create a better world. So here is um, Bill Cooper predicts uh, 9-11, and I'll see you guys in about four minutes. The largest intelligence apparatus in the world with the biggest budget in the history of the world has been looking for Osama bin Laden for years and years and years and can't find him. Some doofus jerk-off reporter with a camera crew waltzes right into his hideout and interviews him. So why, why do all these fools believe this charade? That a CNN reporter and his little camera crew can do with all the money and all the assets and all the eavesdropping and all the intelligence and all the satellites and all the undercover operatives in the world can never do. It's because they're not trying. They don't want to. Osama bin Laden is their creation, and he is serving them well. I mean, is this some kind of incredible joke that people are so stupid they'll fall for this? And now we're being bombarded with messages that Osama bin Laden is planning to attack the United States of America and Israel. Let me tell you something. If he's an enemy of Israel and the Mossad can't find him, then this thing is the biggest joke that you ever heard of in your life. And I'm telling you, be prepared for a major attack. But it won't be Osama bin Laden... It will be those behind the New World Order who once again want to take the guns and the freedom away from the American people because we're the only ones left in the world who can oppose the destruction of freedom in the world and then the implementation of a one-world totalitarian socialist government, and that is the goal. And whatever is going to happen that they're going to blame on Osama bin Laden, don't you even believe it. Another social illusion, social engineering project to change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. I wonder what Osama bin Laden's targets are supposed to be. And if they don't, you know, if this doesn't materialize in the next two or three weeks, it will eventually materialize because... They haven't succeeded in getting the guns out of the hands of the American people, nor have they succeeded in taking our freedoms away. In fact, there's been a great awakening in this country and a, and a big backlash against these Marxist, communist, puke-faced, lying, subversive, Nazi, jackbooted, Gestapo thugs that is gaining momentum. And so I can tell you with a certainty... They must do something terrible in order to stop this backlash and regain the sympathy of the mass herds of sheeple out there. <laughs> and supposedly, we're not the only nation searching for Osama bin Laden. So 
the vast economic resources, the vast technological resources, the vast personnel resources, the vast networks and intricate web spun over all these years by the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA. Can't find Osama bin Laden, but CNN can? What a crying shame. How in the world could this country of all nations breed such a dumbed-down, unthinking, illiterate, uneducated, stupid, ignorant population? <laughs> well, Mr. Cooper, that is actually... Um actually a threefold answer to that. One, you fluorinate the water system so it dumbs them down. And number two, you feed them genetically modified um, organisms to um, scramble their DNA. And number three, you actually make legal things like uh, aspartame that were, um, let's see, what did it take, five times to get that through the FDA? And then Donald Rumsfeld finally squeezed it through and now that it's in everything and Oh, yeah, by the way, it just turns into wood alcohol in your body, but that's no big deal, everybody. Everything's fine. So joining me on the line via Skype, if his mic is unmuted, is Josh Wiley of the Journalistic Revolution. Josh, are you there? I am indeed. How's it going, Jake? What's going on, man? How's it been? Oh, living life, slowly but surely. Uh, it's really funny that you mentioned the uh, the aspartame and the genetically modified foods. I was in a diner the other day, uh, and mm -hmm. as you know, I'm a, I'm a former smoker, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I have quit using uh, an electronic cigarette-esque device. And uh, so I was using it in this diner, and this waitress came up to me and, uh, and told me that uh, the, the table across from me would, would like it if I stopped because they have small children. And I looked over at them as they have three little kids, both mm -hmm. guzzling down huge cokes, <laughs> eating this genetically modified junk uh, loaded with wheat uh, that will inflame their intestinal tracts and give them uh, some form of, of digestive cancer uh, by the time they're 60 or 65, if they even make it that long, if the diabetes doesn't set in first. And it's just, what a backwards world we live in. Kid, parents can literally poison their kids right in front of you and be offended by water vapor. Uh, it's um, Well, it's a microcosm of the world we live in, man. Um, just kind of like all of these new revelations that are coming out with Edward Snowden, which made me put on my um, – I, I said basically, well, I went to snooze town because I've already heard all this racket before. William Benny and Thomas Drake are all, already told us all of this stuff. Rough I mean, pipes, yeah. A lot I mean, of other yeah. whistleblowers. Right. So what makes Edward Snowden different? And this is what I wanted to get into. And um, I was watching a little bit of the video that you sent me, which was pretty enlightening. And I will link that, um, I'll link that to the website, wearenotcattle.net. Um, but it was, an, it was an interview with uh, Buzzsaw, and they were interviewing um, – what's the gentleman's name? He's slipping my mind right now. Um, uh, John Rappaport. In, yeah, John Rappaport, investigative journalist. Um, and so they were getting into the Snowden leaks, and once you do sit back and after all the dust has settled, think about is it really possible for a person that low on the totem pole to have all this intellectual data? And it might be one of those, might be one of those scenarios, and this is what a, a report was alluding to, that this is information they may want to have leak out just to see the reaction of the public. Or it could be a inter inter battle between the departments of the CIA and the NSA, which wouldn't surprise me at all either, seeing as the CIA has pretty much run our. I would say the CIA has been an integral part of the shadow government since um, since their former president became our president. Now I'm sure it goes back a lot further than that, but you know when I when I look at things, that's where it gets a little hazy for me. It's Wait a minute. The former CIA director is now our president. How does how does that work out? But uh, yeah, well, what did you well, make? What did you make of that? Oh man. Well, one, it, it's important to remember that the CIA is is was funded and founded almost completely uh, by bonesmen uh, from from sure. the Yale Troika. So mm -hmm. you know we we have to keep that mind in mind and take everything that they do with a with a grain of salt uh, uh, with with that revelation in mind again. But mm -hmm. it, I think it's 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 really apt that you played that Bill Cooper clip 
um, talking about how the world's most complex and intelligent uh, intelligence-related dragnet couldn't find Osama bin Laden, but a camera crew from CNN managed to walk, waltz into his uh, supposedly secret cave compound and, and get an interview with him. And I think uh, Edward Snowden, barring his uh, connection to the CIA before he went to work for Booz Allen at the NSA, barring his connections to Army intelligence uh, with, with the, at the brief stint he had uh, with the Army, uh, just think about the logic of this, people. We've got a guy who walks into to the world's most complex, secure building, maybe on Earth, and walks with out a with, phone drive. You know, with three laptops and a phone and a thumb drive, and then manages not only to uh, to, to get this stuff out of the country safely uh, in a in a, again a, a, a security panopticon that envelops all of our airports. Uh, mm-hmm. He's able to get this information safely to the Guardian and sit down and have an interview with these people and have time for a cup of tea. Uh, it's, it's really interesting also that you talk about, you know, the, the fact that this could be used as a potential litmus test to kind of test what the American people uh, think about this kind of spying now that, now that uh, people at least are, are becoming more aware of it. It could certainly be an effort to get people back into the, uh, the, uh, the mainstream kind of nexus of news uh, by, by sure. covering this sort of information. Uh, and, and it could also be uh, an internal war between the CIA and NSA, uh, mostly, uh, I would say, predicated on a war for funding, uh, which is obviously becoming tighter and tighter, and tighter by the minute uh, as, sure. as the United States government uh, spends more and more of its money on Wall Street. Um, but I think that all of all of those things can be possible at once. It's important to remember that psyops typically have uh, multiple points uh, and 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 uh, tackle multiple goals uh, simultaneously. So it's it, it would it would behoove our listeners to uh, to to view this with a critical eye. And that's what I I, I found was so was so incredible. You know, RT and and a couple of other off I. I guess Russia today is kind of mainstream, but you know RT was one of the um, one of the organizations that interviewed William Benny, and I've got I got three clips here from his interview where he breaks down almost everything that Snowden broke down, but he broke it down you know years beforehand. So I don't think it was. Um, I, I think you might be right into the you know your analysis and the fact that that maybe this was a litmus test on top of a, a test to see. If the mainstream media could gain credibility once again, so we all understand that if anybody that watches the mainstream media, you know, I love you to death, and if you're listening to this show, you hopefully look at it with a more critical eye after listening to our our broadcast than you than you ever would just by um you know just by getting home and turning on CNN at six o'clock at night to find the real news, the quote unquote real news. Which is, you know, typically run by one of six main um, media outlets. Excuse me, but um, dig- I digress. But when you look at the revelations that you know all these other whistleblowers at the NSA had, even before, um, you know, even before Snowden, it becomes it becomes one of those questions that we need to ask ourselves: Why Snowden? Why is Snowden so important? Why is it? Why is his revelation so? Profound, where everybody else that blew the whistle on this stuff before was um, was kind of pushed off to the side and and pushed to the back of the paper. Is it Josh? Is it something that the mainstream media, I guess, feels that they're losing such credibility and such viewership that they needed something like this to actually show the public that they they might you know look out for their interests every once in a while or. Uh, I guess we get into the debate of is it um, it is just a is he a pawn in the in the um, I guess the the bower, the battle for funding between the CIA and the NSA. Well, as I stated before, I think it can most certainly and probably is most certainly both of those things. Uh, certainly, the the mainstream media has uh, has a vested interest in in maintaining its drastically declining viewership. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think uh, Snowden's revelations. Are uh, or you could call them revelations if if you aren't paying attention to, to the, the years of whistleblowers that preceded him exactly. Um, yes. But at the same time, uh, we have to realize that we uh, we we live in an environment where mainstream media and the news cycle, to a certain extent, still controls how people view these events. Um, mm-hmm. So so when we've got a guy like Snowden 
who comes out with these revelations, uh, which some of which are still being sat on by The Guardian. And given sure. that uh, Glenn Greenwald has now left The Guardian, it, it'll be interesting to see if uh, those ever make their way out at all. But uh, mm-hmm. when, when this news story really was hot for the two or three weeks that, that it, was, uh, it was the talk of the town... Um, we we have to realize that it was framed in a very limited manner. We were sure. talking about two telecom companies. We were talking about the stealing of metadata only, uh, mm-hmm. which which completely and utterly ignores the the vast sweeping uh, kind of stealing of IP addresses, of MAC addresses, of geotagging data, mm-hmm. of reading mm-hmm. emails, Facebook messages, sure. all of this stuff, which is certainly a part of the NSA dragnet, was simply ignored. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, with most people kind of thinking about this in, in limited terms and, again, living in an environment where um, people, for some reason, feel comfortable sharing almost every aspect of their life digitally and quite publicly digitally, mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 find, I find it kind of disconcerting that, that not only did people, uh, were people not as concerned as they should have been about this, but that they've been prepped to not be concerned about it because they're already divulging most of their private lives themselves. Sure, and it was kind of like an opt-in um, sort of thing. And you and I have talked about this. The um, the social engineering construct, the people that run, um, once again at the beginning of the show, I talked about the people that pull the strings, the people that, that develop. You know, it's it's one thing to think about it like this. Think of the world as one giant corporation, okay? If you've ever worked in a corporation, especially if you've ever made it open to management, you understand how budgets go. You understand how planning goes. But your organization will have a, a 30, 60, 90-day plan, and then you'll also have a, a, a 1, 3, and 5, and 10-year plan. Where you want to be, where, where's the technology going, those types of things. And that actually holds true when you're talking about the stratum above the corporations and government that are actually very much interwoven now, if you haven't figured that out by, by now. But I'm sorry, but government and corporations play a lot of patty cake together. And then the politicians are basically the um, the front people for both said groups that are working together and trying to progress humanity in a certain way. Now, sometimes you have a steering committee, and there's a bunch of steering committees out there. And Josh and I um, will probably get into this really in depth in the in the um, in the break off that we're going to do. But you do have a bunch of different steering committees, and all you have to do is go do a few minutes of research, and you'll find out that the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group, um, you know, uh, the Trilateral Commission. So a lot of these different groups are are steering committees and think tanks for where they believe that humanity needs to progress to. And it's not necessarily in your best interest because when they're looking at it, they're looking at it from a 30,000-foot um, a perspective, much like a CIA or CEO would look at a corporation if the corporation's having some, some issues. So anyway, now to digress off of that, what um, Josh, what do you think in the in the next in the next few years we're going to see with the revelations as far as NSA spying, how people divulge their information, and what they're doing with all this stuff, and and are people going to just let it happen? Um, I would be hard pressed to think that that people will become more uncomfortable with it than they already are. The information simply is is out there. It has been out there for quite some time now. Uh, and the fact that people aren't uh, outraged about it yet uh, gives me little hope that they will be in the future, if, I, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest with you. Um, sure. But we also have to realize that we have an incredibly uh, unstable fiscal situation here in the United mm-hmm. States, um, the likes of which uh, once foreign investors stop buying our bonds, uh, mm-hmm. most uh, preeminently of those, China, who's since, uh, who's now very recently surpassed America in terms of oil usage and imports, uh, which is which is a huge threat to the petrodollar going forward. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I would be, again, hard-pressed to see a situation where that kind of fiscal downslide does not occur without some kind of uh, large false flag uh, or catalyzing event, as, uh, as as someone like Zbigniew Brzezinski would call it. Um, mm-hmm. So keeping all of those things in mind, I think that when when that uh, when the uh, when the other foot hit the ground, you know, in, in all of these circumstances, I can only see the panopticon rapidly increasing at that point. Uh, we already have countries like like Japan, where simply to enter, you have to give your uh, a fingerprint and biometric data. Um, in in places like Germany, we are seeing armed guards, or we have seen for years now, armed guards uh, with essentially MPs in fatigues. 
at essentially every airport. Um, so I, I really do think that this, this venerable panopticon is only set to increase, and it's about taking personal responsibility for your digital life at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 hopefully you know moving out of the city. I did want to touch on that point you made a that was a great analogy. Uh, you talking about the, um, kind of uh, the world as a as a corporate entity, uh, you know, because the United States of America, as I'm sure you know, is a corporate entity. Uh, the Act of 1871 that established the District of Columbia. How dare you, how dare you read history? <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? But it, it, it effectively incorporated the United States and created two entities, the one that most people refer to as, as the country and the other mm-hmm. one which has a private ledger and, uh, and, and profits off of, off of your enslavement. Absolutely. Well, here is um, – man, we're rolling right along here, and um, I'm sorry I got distracted towards the end of that little, um, that little rant reason, so it was very distracting. But anyway um, – I do have a nice clip for you. This is about a minute and a half, so um, check this out. This is this is the future of buying and selling, and this actually came out about six months ago, and it was touted as being the new great thing, and it was called Face Deals. Now, Josh, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but I'm going to go ahead and play the clip oh, yeah. for the listeners, and then we can uh, we can kind of break this down on the backside, and and you know piggybacking on exactly what you said about what's going on over in Japan and everything. This really could be the new buying and selling. And then at the, I guess towards the end of the uh, the broadcast, maybe we need to open up the discussion. Um, if you guys are out there listening, you want to call in and, and join the discussion. But I think that what we're going to do is um, we really need to have a debate on is this the um, is this a way towards a fully transparent society or who you believe is going to be at the helm, I guess, um, which camp you would fall into. So here's the Face Deals clip. Everybody enjoy. We'll be back in a minute and 30 seconds. We asked ourselves, why haven't Facebook check-ins gone mainstream? Check-ins provide a powerful mechanism for businesses to deliver discounts to loyal customers. But few businesses and even fewer customers are taking advantage of this. So we set out to evolve the check-in process by creating a seamless method for checking in and getting deals. Face Deals is an automated check-in system using passive facial recognition to notify you of in-store deals that are customized just for you. Cameras have been developed to identify Face Deals participants in a matter of seconds. To get started, log into Facebook and grant Face Deals permission. Next, verify your likeness to complete your profile. When a face is confidently recognized, the deal is set into action. This is very non-threatening, Josh. Face Deals dynamically optimizes your deal based on your Facebook-like history and delivers your customized deal to your mobile device all while checking you in. It's that simple. It's that simple. Face Deals is currently beta testing with select Nashville businesses and will soon roll out in major cities worldwide. Developed by Red Pepper Lab. We're non-threatening. Okay, so as I was joking through that last half of the um, the clip, but in all seriousness, that could be what um, what comes to America. Actually, there's really no no averting it. The singularity is rapidly approaching and the question is where does where does our privacy fall in all of this where does where does the the public you begin and the private you begin i guess that is the best point now to define those terms so we can all be on the same page i define the private me as the me that is myself jake counts that is sitting in my living room um you know with all my doors closed with all my blinds closed and with my you know, with my um, curtains drawn, that would be the private me. The public me, however, starts as soon as I walk out the door into the public view and off of my property. That's where my public view would be. So I guess the debate needs to be, do we sacrifice privacy, not for security, but for convenience and for a new optimized world? Um, Josh, I understand that you have a 
a different, um, I guess, a different knowledge level than most people and understand what the, I guess, uh, I'll let you break it down for yourself, but what do you think all this is going? Could it be that it's just going to a fully functional, uh, fully transparent society, or are we being really processed for total enslavement? Uh, I think both at the same at the same time. You know, this has been a staple of of technocracy since Lenin wrote his treatise on economic theory. Uh, but you brought up such such a pertinent point uh, in the difference between uh, every police and spying state that mankind essentially has ever known, and the one that we're seeing rapidly erected here in America and other parts of the Western world. In that, whether you look at at the Nazi Empire with the SS or uh, or the Soviet Union with the KGB, uh, these spying implements were essentially forced on the people uh, at at the end of a barrel of a gun. And I'm not saying that that threat certain certainly doesn't still exists in America. But what's so imminently different about the American spy grid is that it's being sold to us and people are buying it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and for again, for a matter of convenience. I think it's wonderful that I can have a cell phone in my pocket that that has uh, live news updates from real news sources that I can listen to podcasts and radio programs like yours and, and mine and, and constantly be, be edified educationally without having to listen to the garbage that's on the radio. But simultaneously, people need to recognize that this, this device that, again, was sold to you uh, is, is being used to spy on you. Uh, you know, we, during that Facebook clip at, with, with face deals, which uh, recently rolled out in Chicago, if, if I'm not uh, mistaken, um, it, it mentioned the, the, the Facebook check-in system, which, if you're not familiar with that, is a system where you use Facebook Mobile to essentially tag yourself at a given mm-hmm. location, if you're out with friends or whatever, um, right. at, at, through a given time period. And this isn't something that Facebook does automatically. This is something that people choose to do. Uh, sure. and, you, and, and a lot of people use it. And, and, you're and that would be considered, and, and everybody, that, that is what metadata is, just to clarify for everyone. That is, in essence, metadata is the geolocation, the time spent, all of that stuff. Exactly, exactly. So, so we're seeing a, a public that's being sold this technology and is eating it up. Uh, you know, we, we uh, have talked numerous times in the show about kind of the analogy of the matrix, and we're, we're starting to reach a point now where um, it, it, it is, there is a fine line between reaching into the matrix to pull people out uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, becoming integrated within it. Um, and as we, as we see this, this kind of program uh, I- expand rapidly, we're seeing uh, uh, all this geotagging and metadata being stolen from, uh, from cell phones in cities without uh, the, 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 the acknowledgement of the user. Um, mm-hmm. We're seeing at near-field um, magnetic technologies being implemented to uh, to to kind of broadcast you advertisements on a short on a short range basis. Um, you know when when it when we get to the day where uh, you are going to have to uh, to scan your face on your cell phone and input a thumbprint uh, just to make a Google search, um, mm-hmm. then it's time to really start asking yourself: uh, Is this something that I want to be a part of? Uh, it, no matter how much, uh, how 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 large a part of your life it may be, and I think we're rat- rapidly approaching that point. I don't know if you agree with that, but I, I, no, I uh, think that you do. I, w- I would agree 100, percent and it's not that we're trying to um, agree with each other the entire time, but it's just your analysis <laughs> and my analysis are are pretty much, um, I guess, in in cohesion, and that's why you and I have such great conversations is because we're looking for for ways and for ideas to. It's not that we want to stop the system. It's one, we want everybody to to really logically sit back and take a deep breath before you get, you know, um, encapsulated by all the the fancy bells and whistles that you can have, and being able to stream. You know, this is one of the things that I thought was kind of cool. My, I got to see my brother this weekend, and we were driving back from uh, my parents' house in rural Georgia. And um, he wanted to watch. Um, he wanted to watch some of the football pregame, and he just starts streaming it on his phone. And I just thought to myself, "Wow, that's kind of incredible that we can actually, you know, we can stream live television wherever we are." And you know, technology amazes me. Just think about where we were 20 years ago. 20 years ago, we had dial-up internet. Everybody now we can literally stream live television on our phone. So what's the next 20 years going to look like if if the technocratic 
comptrollers don't suppress all the new modern technology like the Tesla technology and all these other things that are really coming to light and really going to create a different marketplace. And, you know, when I spoke with the comedian Lee Camp, he and I talked about this, um, it, it really does come to a point where now at a system level where the elite power structure understands that the time is running really thin as far as monetarily goes, and they're just grasping at straws trying to grab everything? Or are we on the cusp of a new human revolution where there's going to be an awakening process, not just here in America but all over the world, to the fact that individual liberties and individualism and creativeness and and I guess new thought processes are what's going to really propel us into the into the future, um, you know, along with being mindful of the technology that we're deploying and what it's really asking people to do. Now, some people will accept anything that would probably jump into the matrix now. I mean, you look at, you know, they have a petition out for over 300,000 people, I think it was, that have already signed up to go on a one-way trip to Mars. So you do have a portion of the population that really is – you know, there really is up for anything new and, and, and fancy and, and glitzy and shiny. But I think that, you know, as we start approaching the singularity, as we start using these technologies, you know, understanding that it is a two-way street, we do need to start asking ourselves, you know, who's really getting all this data? Where is all this stuff going? And um, is it really in my best interest to give them all this data on myself? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, these are all pertinent questions that people need to be asking themselves. And I do think that I need to, or I guess I would like to make the distinction uh, between technology and uh, the, the technology currently controlled by the corporatocracy. Uh, as I okay. said before, I'm not Amish. You know, I, I don't think that light bulbs are evil or anything. I, I, in fact, I think technology is, is, a, is a wonderful thing for, for humanity, provided it can be done uh, sustainably. I mean, certainly that would I have... Be a, that would be a very condescending thing for somebody to say that made some money on Bitcoin. That would be very condescending for you to think of any other way, as far as technology goes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and I also, I mean, even as someone who made a lot of money off of it, I, I still have a lot of uh, my, uh, certainly, reservations about Bitcoin. But uh, I do think that that's a, an important distinction to make. Technology is wonderful for humanity. I, certainly, I have, again, some reservations about how our technology currently is manufactured and how we get some of the, the, um, the, the resources that go into technology, things like lithium, which is mined mm -hmm. primarily in Africa and completely unethically at the, at the end of the barrel of a gun. Um, but Isn't again, that also a big cash crop for them in Afghanistan? Isn't there a oh, big lithium deposit in Afghanistan as well? Most certainly, which were supposedly just recently discovered, but uh, I, mm -hmm. I, I would yeah, it, yeah sure exactly, exactly. And, I, I'm, and I just I just saw the moon for the first time last night, Josh. <laughs> uh, exactly, you know these things. It's 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 hilarious what they'll try and pawn off on you as uh, as as uh, as a recent discovery, much like uh, the current uh, national natural gas and shale oil reserves found all over North America. They've known about these for years, people. But no, yeah, is, they had that. Didn't they have that back in Bush's heyday? That was his big discovery. It was George W. said, "Oh, we got all that oil underneath the uh, underneath you know Colorado," and everybody's like, shh, shh, shh. "Everybody, hey, 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 easy, easy." All right, I'm sorry to cut you off, man. Go ahead. Exactly. No, but we we do have a program that is rapidly trying to use up uh, the, the rest of the world's kind of natural uh, resource reserves before we uh, we utilize our own. Uh, and, and now that we're having to start kind of utilize, utilizing some of those resources, I think that that's uh, one of the should be one of the preeminent indicators of the death throes of the American empire. But again, there's a huge distinction between technology in general and technology controlled by psychopaths. Uh, I would mm -hmm. love to have a cell phone with complete connection to the Internet where I can look up things all the time and talk to my friends uh, completely and utterly uninhibited. But that's not the world that we live in. And currently, we really don't have... Uh, any technological implements that aren't in part at least controlled by the panopticon. Um, mm -hmm. So, and, and for our listeners, if you don't know what the panopticon is, uh, I was just about that. to ask you to define that, but um, go ahead and define it, man. If you, if you want, or I can, I can define it as well, either way. Well, I don't want to do all the work for everyone. I think that people should look it up for themselves and, uh, and, and find an interesting bit of history that you've probably never heard about. <laughs> there you go. That's, 
Yeah, go um, once again, everybody use uh, use grammar, logic, rhetoric, use the trivium, and, and go have yourself some fun and learn about the uh, panopticon and, and how it was used and, and what it does. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 we really are coming to a point now where, uh, as the big new Brzezinski terms it, the global political awakening. Uh, or the apocalypse, as so many cultures have called it. You know, of course, we have a we have a very skewed definition of what apocalypse is, but in its Greek, uh, apo is essentially to uh, to reveal and uh, or, or to or to uh, lift a veil, and uh, and calypsine or calypsis is uh, is is to hide great information. So it literally means a, a, a the lifting of the veil, uh, the 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 revelation of truth. Uh, and, and we're certainly see, seeing that escalate rapidly in in humanity right now, but specifically mm-hmm. uh, in the Western world as as it uh, pertains to to kind of the revealing of, uh, of of the true paymasters and controllers of society. So we are reaching a point where we can have one of two things, or I guess three things. We can have a revolution of consciousness. We can have a mm-hmm. revolution of blood, guns, and guts. Uh, mm-hmm. Or we can, or we can uh, roll over and become uh, impoverished slaves of the state and live in Agenda 21 pre-manufactured, predetermined megacities where they ration your food, uh, which of course will all be genetically modified, and and meat will be given to you only on your birthday. Um, yeah, and it was um it was really interesting, and I was um didn't mean to cut you off, but I was reading a um. My mom gets these um, scientific magazines, and I can't remember which one this was, but it talked about the the world in 2032. And if I can get her mm-hmm. to, uh, if I can get her to to give me the uh, the magazine, I'll actually I'll mail it to you so you can read it. But it, it's actually a little bit of preconditioning, but also a little bit of um, you know exploratory thinking, in the fact that it has a. <clears throat> Instead of having a microphone that would be um, on your phone or what have you, you would have a sticker, and the sticker would actually double as the microphone. So you would put the sticker on your arm or whatever, and it would be able to pick up you know, all the things that you were saying. And then it had all these new technologies where you had shoes that made you run faster and a suit that made you jump higher. And it also – this is where I started to get a little creeped out – is it started to have like a um, genetically engineered pet where it was a, a pet that was a mixture of an old uh, saber-toothed tiger-looking thing and like a modern cat. So basically um, a spliced the DNA of the two and created a whole new species, and it was like a little pet. And then as I was flipping through it, guess what I saw? You had your own um, – it was your own meat, but you could actually – build it with a 3D printer. So that's where I kind of got a little scared in the fact that, you know, we did just have the first 3D printed metal gun come out. So where is all this stuff going? And are we ever going to see something that would resemble like a Gattaca scenario, not to bring it back to something that's a very, you know, I guess that was a movie made in the 90s, but it was pretty, pretty insightful in the fact that it was almost like a eugenics-based world where everything was based off of DNA and, and predetermined algorithms and the way that, um, I guess, Ethan Hawke was the main character, and not to digress too much off of this, but it does kind of um, go along with what we're talking about here. But um, I guess Gwyneth Paltrow, I guess, was the other um, actor or, or in, in, the, uh, in the movie, and the way that she found out that this guy was the perfect guy for her was she went and stole a sample of his hair and took a sample of her hair and went to the genetic doctor or whatever, ran the two to see if they were capable or compatible with one another. So is that a scenario where we're actually going to trend towards, and is that the, is that the new human species, or do we get back to basic human function and really progress um, logically instead of just all at once? Because right now it does feel like a river of technology over our heads as we have newer, latest, and greatest phones, tablets, what have you, comes out. I think that the big questions are being missed in the fact that we don't really sit back and think about the, um, think about the ramifications of what's really going on here. 
I mean, that, that's, that's absolutely true. Uh, you know, another great piece of prophetic science fiction uh, on, on that subject would be George Lucas's THX 1138, an example of a completely planned, genetically engineered society where love is essentially preordained and emotion is bred out of you through drugs. Uh, and and you are, you're living in this Huxwellian future, this combination of the worst of, of, of both of those societies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but wow. you know, at the, at the end of the day, we we really need to get back to uh, to what I believe it was the Rio Conference in 1992 or three um, mm-hmm. that is, that established Agenda 21, which is mm-hmm. the which is the operating model of the society of the future that that people are trying to see, and it goes under the auspices of sustainable development or creating sure. a sustainable world. A lot of uh, different think tanks have been uh, and non non governmental organizations have been founded. Uh, under exactly that auspice, and they come into local towns and essentially uh, uh, buy up and or uh, take over controlling of planning for undeveloped land that is a, an effort to kind of get people out of the countryside and into these sort of uh, sort of pre-planned, pre-made megacities. Uh, and, and that's really the choice that humanity is going to be asked to make, I think, very shortly. And it's something that informed people should be thinking about now because you are going to have a choice you're going to you're going to either be ushered into this planned society where everything is given to you and you are uh, given a, an expiration date based on uh the things that, that that they're putting in your body for you or you can live a much uh, probably more difficult life but at least a free one uh in, in a in a rural area kind of growing your own food and uh making a local economy and exchanging with people uh uh, like an actual human being, uh, and mm-hmm. this is this is the choice that humanity is going to be faced with. And unfortunately, uh, we've got a lot of really, really great, nice, well-meaning people uh, who are going to go along with this, uh, either because they think that the corporatocracy knows what's best, or simply mm-hmm. because they've lived a life that's been very prepackaged up to this point in corporate America, mm-hmm. and and are now essentially comfortable with uh, with living an easier life. Where, where everything is given to you as opposed to, to having to, you know, essentially value yourself by the sweat of your brow. Absolutely. And I was I'm watching television right before I um, came on air. I was, um, I was enthralled because there was a special, and I guess it was a couple of hours in a row, it was uh, David Blaine doing magic to people. And those kind of things always pique my interest because you wonder how the illusion takes place. Like, where where am I missing the sleight of hand? How did he get that past everybody? That, that kind of thing. But what really took me were the commercials. And the commercials, as you and I talked about on the last show, were the logical fallacies. It was interesting. It's like the more you spend, the more you save. I mean, if you think about that in terms of grammar, logic, and rhetoric, that, that sentence doesn't even hold water because it is, an, it is a complete and other um, false choice. The more you spend, the more you save. It's it's in inherently two different you know two different words going in two different directions monetarily, but yet they throw them together to entice you to do something. And I think that that's what we we really need need to to do is start thinking critically, whether it's um just as a, as a society as a whole as a consumer based society and think about. Are these really things that we need, or are we really just being propagandized in order to buy these particular products and and support these larger corporations, or do we want to go back to like what you said and go to a a smaller you know community based commerce system now the one thing that I will add to this everybody is that yes it's going to be more expensive to do business with the lower um with the with the local community store. But at the end, the the money stays in the community, and then that person goes and buys from somebody else that owns a privately held business. And that's the way you fight it is by voting with your dollar. Now, once again, I understand that it's going to take a little bit more money, but at the end of the day, do you, it, it boils down to what Josh says. Do you want to live in a society that is going to be pre-planned and that you're going to have all these different facets of your life taken care of, which would make your life very – I guess, um, very um, thoughtless and um, easy to, to muddle through, or do you really want to, to live free and be a, a free-thinking individual and, and push back on the system? Now, one of the things that we didn't get into yet, Josh, and I do want to touch on this article before we, 
before we get off the show today is um, an article that broke um, on InfoWars via StoryLeak and Anthony Gucciardi. I have a ton of respect for Anthony Gucciardi and uh, and all of his work over at StoryLeak. So I did want to talk about this, and it's a, it says, Snowden-level documents reveal stealth DHS spy grid. And that is actually the image that you guys will see if you're if you're listening to the rebroadcast uh, via PC. If you're listening to it on podcast, this is going to kind of fall short. But what it does is it really does give you an idea of um, the system and the cloud and how everything really works. Now, myself, once again, being in telecom for as long as I have been, a lot of this stuff really does make sense to me. So I'll try to break it down if you can you know, see the image, download it, or whatever, you can kind of walk through it with me. The Internet is basically a bunch of computers that interact with one another. It's not like um, a pipeline, as the guy from Georgia said that one time. It's a big pipe. It's nothing like that at all. It's interchanging of information through a bunch of different servers placed strategically all over the world. And um, and what happens is, is they have to ask questions. It's yes or no questions in order to try to access certain information. So there's typically a couple of what they call switches or hubs that they have to go through before this data gets filtered out and going, moving in the right directions towards the right computers to handle the type of transaction or, um, I guess, uh, action that you're trying to complete. So if you're trying to complete a VoIP phone call, for instance, it's going to go from your VoIP handset to the switch in what's called the NOC. And then once it goes to the NOC, it's going to go out to the Internet, and then it's going to find that number. You know, they draw the Internet as this big cloud. They're going to, it's going to find that PSTN number, and it's going to go search for the IP address that's located with that PSTN number or the actual number itself. So if you're calling a cell phone, it's going to look for your cell phone's identification number, and then it's going to connect you to through the Internet, and now you have a conversation going through a bunch of different computers and switches. So if you can stay with me, I'll try to get there. Now, what they've developed or what they're revealing is that there is a piece of equipment that sits in the knock just outside of where your original call would take place. So your call goes from your desktop phone or your cell phone, however you want to look at it, to this switch that um, resides in the knock. And then it goes to another switch that actually basically takes all the data that you have and stores it and then transfers your data out to whomever you're calling or what have you. So in essence, it'll hold up to, I think it says in the article, it'll hold up to over a thousand different tags. So every time you place a phone call, once again, the metadata that they're talking about is being captured by this device that sits in the knock, and what it does is it captures all, excuse me, yep, 1,000 GPS locations of the cell phone users. So it'll, it'll hold all of your last GPS locations from your last 1,000 phone calls. So basically being able to pinpoint where you were throughout the day, track you, trace you throughout your entire day, and it can even turn on, we know this through the Telecommunications Act, they can even activate your device even if the phone is turned off. It can activate the the GPS um, chip in it because there's actually three different chips depending on which uh, cell phone you have. You have a GSM-labeled uh, cell phone and a CDMA. And CDMA are the proprietary providers are uh, Verizon and um, Sprint are your two biggest CDMA providers. And AT&T and um, T-Mobile are your GSM providers, and they are um, that's why their coverage isn't as great because GSM is a technology that typically is used more in Europe than it is in America. That's why you can take your T-Mobile phone anywhere in the world because it's already synced up to those towers. So anyway, long story short, they have this piece of data that was actually revealed now through this document, and I will um, I will actually repost this um, in the uh, We Are Not Cattle news feed so you guys can see that. And I'll do that right after the show, so it'll be up here in the next few minutes. But what you real need to realize is that this is a pilot program out in Seattle. And if it's something that's rolling out through Department of Homeland Security, it's being used to go through what's called a threat fusion center, which is set up for communication for the local police force and the feds in order for them to communicate and have all this data. Now, all of this sounds well and good if you're trying to catch a criminal. 
But the question is, do we really need to have all this data stored on us as we move through our society? Is this something that we need to push back on? So, Josh, did that make any sense when I was talking the technical aspects of this, or was it all just a bunch of um, telecom mumbo-jumbo? No, it absolutely did. And I guess as a bit of a techie, I'm familiar with those those kind of terms and, and, the, and the breakdown you gave, and I thought it was fairly concise and, uh, and got to the point. Um, now, at the same time, I do want to say that, to me, the most interesting part of this story um, mm-hmm. it, it challenges some fundamental beliefs about uh, law enforcement that, that some people uh, within, a, within a liberty mindset have, because there is a lot of vitriol aimed at groups like the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, ATF, sort of federal agencies, and, and more of an apologetic uh, tone towards local police departments. Saying mm-hmm. that, oh, well, no, but it, they, it, receive, they receive federal money and they have money in the threat fusion centers too. They receive grants as well. So it's, um, you know, and I know it's hard in municipalities to turn down millions of dollars from the federal government, but also think about what you're being asked to do. Um, once again, sorry to cut you off, but continue. Oh, no, but yeah, that's, that's the point that needs to be made is that these people are not your friends. And if things uh, did go south uh, and, and they continued to receive uh, a paycheck, uh, albeit probably a, a much smaller paycheck than, than what they're currently used to, uh, these people would point guns at your family because they're already stealing uh, virtually all of the aspects of your private life that, that you don't want them to touch. The, the way that these kind of, uh, this telecom spy grid is currently set up is that you know, your, your ser- your, either your internet service provider or your, your telecom company uh, has access to all of your uh, data for a certain period of time. I think most of them it's 90 days, and then they're obligated mm-hmm. to, to delete it. But what happens is that we have these massive kind of uh, data conglomeration centers. I know Verizon has a few in Texas uh, that, that were uh, leaked on Cryptome.org as they were being built. And these centers are essentially mainlined directly into fusion centers all around the country and, uh, and NSA uh, sort of databases buried deep in the ground, I'm sure, uh, outside of Washington, D.C. So that's how the, the FEDIs kind of get your, uh, your information. But local police departments, you have to go through a, a little bit more of a, a bureaucratic kind of uh, uh, system just, just simply to gain access to that information. So mm-hmm. as, as this document clearly shows, um, you know, these, these kind of uh, local police departments in Seattle, I, I think was the example, uh, yep. are bypassing that, that nexus as it's currently set up, whether, be, whether that they don't have access to it or simply don't have the funds to access it. Um, they're saying, you know, essentially, screw this, we're just going to steal the information ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. and, and people need to be really concerned about this uh, because I'm sure that this, this model, if it's not already implemented in, in many other cities, will certainly be implemented very shortly. Like I said, that federal funding will be very enticing to the smaller municipalities that are really just looking to to kind mm-hmm. of make you know make their make their checks and 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 provide people a good living. And it's not that you know Josh and I have any vitriol or myself speaking for myself, I don't have any vitriol towards the police department that uses this as a, a kind of a blind trust in the fact that they believe that they're going to go catch a bunch of bad guys with this because you probably could catch you know a bunch of criminals. But the fact of the matter is, is do you start arresting people for pre-crime? Do you start arresting people for, you know, being at the wrong place at the wrong time? Do you start watching people's every move to think, you know, what if he does something? And that's where we really need to get to because I have friends in the police force. I have friends that don't want to do stuff like this. And I have friends that think that this is a good deal and it's going to keep people safe because that's the – that's the mantra and that's the mentality that you've been fed since you were a little kid, that police keep you safe and that criminals are always you know, dressed in black hoods and stuff like that. And I think that what we need to come to you know, a fundamental understanding of in, in the United States is, is that criminals aren't just an invasive species that come into America to commit crimes and then they just go to jail. Criminals are people just like you and me because I think that all of us have done something. We, um, there's an article out that we all commit three felonies a day. We all break the law in some way, shape, or form. It's just some people get caught, and those people are deemed criminals. So in essence, we have all done something to, to the effect that we could have been you know, put behind bars or done something stupid that could have gotten us in trouble with the quote-unquote law. But 
it doesn't mean that we need to have the largest prison population in the world having 5% of the population and 25% of the world's criminals. So anyway, Josh, uh, closing comments from you on this stuff, and then we'll wrap it up. We're running up against it. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to say really quickly that, you know, pre-crime is already here. Uh, that that kind of methodology of law enforcement has been here since at least 2010 when IBM rolled out its predictive analytics program uh, mm-hmm. where you essentially have uh, a, a tracking mechanism and uh, and the ability to, to identify uh, people based on their past encounters with the police um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of head off crime that way. And what we really need to start asking ourselves is, uh, what are they going to do with all of this data that they're rapidly connecting? How is that going to be fed into a predictive analytics type system? And how long mm-hmm. does it take until uh, they, these people stop going after uh, essentially, quote unquote, hardened criminals? And how long does it take until they start coming after you for late bills or, uh, or uh, your, your credit score or, or being late on your taxes? I don't think it's very far of a line until we, or it's very far far until we cross that line because, as we're already seeing, they're already completely and utterly comfortable uh, enslaving and, uh, and and really torturing to a certain extent um, nonviolent criminal offenders. Uh, I, I think nonviolent crime is a bit of an oxymoron, but mm-hmm. we, we are rapidly moving into this society. And while you were sleeping, predictive analytics and pre-crime has already been implemented in much of the country. So. It's, uh, Absolutely, it's and that IBM does, IBM does their nice little promos of um, you know putting the cop at the right spot, and I'm all for that if it's going to, you know, quell crime. But you know we have to look at this as a double-edged sword. It can all just because it's nice and shiny doesn't mean that it can't stab you in the back. I think that that's the one thing that we all need to keep in mind. And um, one of the things that was really interesting is I was watching a. Um, I was watching an interview that Lee Camp did with a um, a gentleman by the name of I've got his actual um, Dylan Radigan, who used to be a uh, MSNBC host, which I don't agree with a lot of things that MSNBC does, but evidently this guy took it to another level and um, was doing some really hardcore, hard-hitting journalism, and he had Lee Camp on his show, and Lee Camp and and he were talking about 10, 10 topics that the mainstream media won't touch. And one of the things that they were talking about was the actual um, the, the prison population in America. And Lee Camp made the statement, if we keep trending the way that we're trending, that everybody in the United States, every single human being would be locked up in the next 20 years. That's how bad it is, everyone. So I think that we do need to teach people about jury nullification you know, nullifying unjust laws or laws that you think that are on the books that are crazy, like you can't strap your horse to a um, to a tree in the you know at six o'clock on a Tuesday, or else you're going to go to get the death penalty, or just something as simple as um, a, a simple possession charge for somebody that has like maybe a, a gram of marijuana or somebody that blew a 1.0 on a breathalyzer that when you watch the video, they're completely coherent and completely um, cogent and not swerving or weaving or anything like that. And the only reason they're in court is because they mouthed off to the police officer. Now, one of the things that I will advise you, even though I don't give legal advice, if you do get pulled over, be nice to the police officer. He's just as nervous as you are. And I have a lot of friends that will probably give me some crap about that. But at the end of the day, they're trying to do a job as well, and, and their job's really difficult. They don't know what they're going to walk into, so that's just, my, um, that's just my take on it. I'm always trying to engage with police officers and, as I like to call them, peace officers, because that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be keeping the peace, not going around and rounding up criminals. But now that's what the, the mentality and the, and the motive has changed to is that we're the good guys and we've got to go find the bad guys. Like people are out there just – doing bad things and we got to go find them that's not it you're out there to protect the peace you should go back to patrolling doing things like that being involved in your neighborhood not looking down on the people you know when you're on duty as some sort of um some sort of entertainment or some sort of crime that you have to stop or some investigation that you got to crack i'm not saying that's everybody that's about probably five percent of the police force but you know how it works you know five percent of the people give the rest of the police force a bad rap so Josh, any other things you want to say before we get out of here, man? 
Oh, no, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head, but I would almost expand your uh, your kind of analysis of, of jury nullification and bad laws. You know, if people aren't sure. hurting other, if people aren't hurting under other individuals, I don't really care how much meth or crack or, or cannabis you have on you at the time of your supposed arrest. Um, you know, th- these are these are nonviolent crimes, and in many areas mm-hmm. of the country, uh, we're looking at a situation where uh, not only does the United States government fly in these drugs uh, and, and profit from the sale of them, uh, they also profit from the incarceration. Uh, sure. And and in many communities, it's the only real way to make a living for a lot of people, uh, especially mm-hmm. in some of our inner cities. So uh, we need to really view jury, jury nullification <clears throat> on a, on a wide scale and realize that. The people who are making your laws, our laws right now, uh, as well intentioned as some of the voters may be, are uh, are not your friends. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And if you guys want to hear some really um, some some real life um, testimony to what Josh just said, you can go listen to my interview that I did with uh, Freeway Ricky Ross, where we talked about um, his upbringing in the um, in Los Angeles and and how he was um, he was a big kingpin for the CIA drug. Um, the Iran-Contra scandal, but um, he talked about how it was the one thing that was actually saving his community because it was the only thing that really gave them gave them hope and gave them jobs and that nobody really wanted to commit any crime because crime bought the police, so everybody kind of, you know, acted as it was just a, um, a regular commodity and traded it, and even though it was damaging to some people, it's um in my personal opinion it's no right for you to tell me or anybody else what they can and can't put in their body that's their body they get to they have just as much right to be on this planet as you do and they got just as much right to decide what they can put in their body that you do so that's it for the show everybody thanks for uh, listening sorry we went into a little overtime but um you know what this will make for a good podcast once again thank you to Josh Wiley from the Journalistic Revolution. You can catch them as Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Is that correct? Uh, yes, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. There you go, and you can find that at Liberty Movement Radio, everybody. So once again, everyone, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Share the podcast with people you know, people you like. Let's actually um, let's start having a dialogue about things that really matter. Take care, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.